Hello and welcome to Leanne Ward Nutrition, a podcast where you will find expert advice on all things health and nutrition related. Each week, we will discuss my three niche areas of gut health, emotional eating and sustainable fat loss. My hope for this podcast is to cut through the BS online and show you real, practical and evidence-based messages around nutrition so you can live your best life day in and day out. So sit tight, buckle up, and let's get started on today's podcast. Welcome to Podcast 79, the second part of my Q&A answering all your questions. It blows my mind that we are at Podcast 79, but here we are, guys. Thank you for sticking along for the journey. It's been quite a ride. Uh, We are closing in on that big 1 million downloads. So please, if you can, share my podcast with your friends, your colleagues, your family, and let's get some proper evidence-based nutrition advice out to those who need it the most. So in the last podcast, I chose seven of the top questions that you guys sent me, um, and I answered them for you guys. On this podcast, I'm going to do, what am I doing today? I'm doing eight questions for you. So I will answer these um, based on questions that you guys have sent in to me me and I've chosen these questions because I really do feel like they will benefit the most people. Some of you guys sent me really quite specific questions about specific conditions that I just didn't really think that the majority of people would get benefit from. So these questions I really hope that a large range of people will get a lot of benefit from. Now, if you enjoy my podcast, please don't forget to leave me a review in Apple iTunes and also don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you know when the next ones are coming out. Before we jump into the podcast, today's podcast is brought to you by my premium coaching program, Lean Gut Mind Method. In this busy world, women struggle to prioritize their health and they constantly find themselves frustrated with a lack of results. Lean Gut Mind Method coaching service provides expertise, personalization, and a proven system of tools so that women find themselves empowered to live their best lives in a body that they choose. If you're a female who struggles with weight loss, emotional eating, and poor gut health, and you are ready to change once and for all, let me and my team help you. Lean Gut Mind Method is the last nutrition program you will ever need to invest in and the first program you will see lasting, sustainable results from. Let us show you the way. Apply for my premium one-on-one coaching program at leangutmindmethod.com. Now let's get into our part two Q&A on the podcast today. Question one from our listeners. What are your thoughts on red meat? Is a plant-based diet more beneficial? All right, if you guys are frequent listeners to my podcast, you will know that there is a lot of benefit in a plant-based diet. I'm a big believer in balance and eating things that you enjoy. If you want to be 100% plant-based or vegan, absolutely be my guest. That's wonderful. If you're someone that actually likes eating meat or red meat or like having a piece of steak once in a while, then if you cut that out, is that going to make you miserable? Now, I'm a big believer in a balanced diet, so absolutely a plant-based diet is great, but it doesn't have to mean 100% plant-based. If you enjoy red meat, and it is perfectly okay in small amounts, and there is some research to support that processed red meats, things like uh, salami and cabana and bacon and you know things like sausages, that more that processed type of red meat that you find in the deli can actually negatively affect your health. Is a bit of pepperoni or salami going to quote-unquote kill you or harm you? No, but if you're someone that eats that regularly, then long-term, there are some definite detrimental health effects. So you definitely want to substantially reduce the amount of processed red meats that you're having. But if you're having 
a piece of steak or some eye fillet or something like that once a month or once every, you know, like maybe even once a week, then that can absolutely be part of a balanced diet if that is something that you enjoy. If you don't like red meat, don't eat it. Simple as that. There are many other plant-based sources of iron that you can actually eat as well. So I'm not a believer in forcing any diet types onto people. I really think that we need to do what's best for us in terms of what do we like and what suits our lifestyle. So I'm more of a a fan of what's called like a plant-forward diet or a a flexible plant-based diet. So it means that I eat mostly vegan and vegetarian meals, but I also eat some animal products as well. But I would say 60 to 70% of my diet is more vegetarian or vegan based or plant based. um, And the other sort of 30% might include animal products as well. You know, salmon, for example, is one of my favorite foods in the whole world. And it would make me really sad if I could never have salmon again. Some people might think that I'm a horrible person for eating salmon and that's okay. You're allowed to think that. But for me, it's something that it's one of my favorite foods in the whole world. It actually really brings me joy just cook, having like a nice piece of salmon for dinner. And I, there are actually some wonderful health benefits from eating something um, as nourishing as salmon as well. So for me, it's really about that flexible approach. It's a mostly plant-based diet with some animal products in it as well. So red meat in its uh traditional form in terms of like steak and beef and that sort of thing can absolutely be okay. Pork is great as well, um, can be included in as part of a healthy lifestyle, but really just try to minimize the processed red meats, the salamis, the cabanas, the pepperonis, um, the sausages, that sort of thing. Um, of course, you can have them occasionally, but they're not something that you want to be cooking up regularly um, or including into your diet regularly. Now, if you guys are interested in what's called the flexitarian diet, where you're combining this plant-based approach with a few animal products every now and then, listen to to the podcast that I did with the ladies from The Biting Truth. It's called Flexitarian Dance. I think you guys will really enjoy it and get a lot out of it. And I've had so many messages after that from people saying, you know, I thought I had to be vegan, but I actually found it like too overly restrictive for my diet. I was sad. I missed things. And I really, really enjoy this flexitarian approach. People think that they have to be in camp A or B. They have to be vegan or they have to be animal-based. Absolutely not. I'm a huge fan of this gray area in between when it comes to nutrition. I hate the you know, must choose A, must choose B, must be black, must be white. I'm a big believer that we can have this uh, sort of gray area in between. So we can live a mostly plant-based lifestyle or a plant-forward lifestyle with some animal products as well, if we choose to. If you choose not to for ethical um, or whatever other reasons, that is absolutely okay as well. But you need to do what is best for you. So um, yeah, that's my thoughts around that. Question two for you guys. Uh, This is following on, uh, I'm not sure if it's the same person or a different person, but the question is, are plant-based diets equal to animal-based diets for strength and muscle building? Uh, Okay, this is a great question. So on a gram-for-gram basis, animal proteins on on a whole or on the whole are more anabolic. They accomplish muscle growth more efficiently than plant proteins. So gram-for-gram animal protein, it tops it. So animal-based diet, Trump's plant-based diet for muscle growth on a gram-for-gram basis. However, if you're an individual who avoids the consumption of animal products, uh, you can still make some gains in the gym. You can still grow and build and get stronger and build some muscle mass. You just need a bit more protein. So compared to an animal-based diet, a vegan or a plant-based diet needs roughly anywhere from 15 to 25% more total daily protein from plant-based sources to level that playing field with an animal-based protein diet. 
This is because plant-based protein sources aren't as easily absorbed and utilized by the body. A lot of the protein found in plant-based sources is bound up in um, some fiber. And we know that fiber is part of our diet that is sort of excreted. So the body can't tap into and utilize all of that protein. So if your goal is strength and gaining muscle, uh, you will need more protein on a vegan-based diet. So you will see a lot of, you know, vegan or um vegan or plant-based bodybuilders and that sort of thing, athletes actually using a lot of uh, vegan-based protein powder simply because it is really, really hard to eat that much beans and tofu um, (laughs) uh, because it is so filling because of the fiber as well. So if you are someone who is really focusing on building muscle and strength training, um, particularly if you're in a larger body, you might need the help of something like a vegan-based protein powder if that's your goal. But you absolutely can build muscle on a plant-based diet. Um, Gram for gram, animal-based protein uh, is better absorbed and utilized by the body, but it doesn't mean that you have to eat animal-based products or dairy or that sort of thing if you don't want to. You can achieve muscle growth uh, from either a plant-based or an animal-based diet. It's really around you just need a bit more if you're on a plant-based diet. Question three, how many nuts a day should I eat and why? So uh, quick reference, about 30 grams a day is the recommended advice. So Nuts are wonderfully healthy. Nuts are one of my favorite things to snack on, one of my favorite things to recommend. So the research shows us that regularly eating nuts has been shown to contribute to uh, assisting with things like heart disease, reducing overall mortality and the risk of developing things like type 2 diabetes. Eating nuts regularly can actually assist with weight management, can reduce the risks of some types of cancers. Nuts can improve sperm quality, help to reduce depression, and overall just promote some basically good healthy habits. So nuts are a powerhouse when it comes to nutrition. Nuts contain healthy fats. They have some omega-3s in them. They have protein, fiber. Some nuts have vitamin E, magnesium, zinc, iron. Just a quick note though, nuts are wonderfully healthy, but healthy is different to fat loss. So if you are someone who is concerned about your weight or trying to lose weight, please measure out your portions of nuts. Don't just eat handfuls out of the jar, or I promise you, you'll have a hard time actually losing weight because nuts are A, incredibly healthy, but B, also quite energy dense as all healthy fats are. They contain a lot of calories gram for gram compared to things like protein and fiber. Um, Now, if you're allergic to nuts, uh, if it's just one certain nut, like a peanut, of course, just avoid that and fill up on all your other nuts. But if you're someone that can't have any nuts, um, obviously you got to work with, with what you can have. So if you can't have them, why not try, um, seeds? You'll get the same, not the same, but you'll get uh, great healthy benefits in terms of healthy fats and different vitamins and nutrients from things like chia seeds, flax seeds, pumpkin seeds, sesame seeds. I love using, um, I have a client who has an allergy to peanuts. So we actually use almond butter um, for her with banana, or we use a bit of tahini, which is like hold um, sesame seeds as well. So work with what you've got. Obviously, if you've got a nut allergy, um, I, I'm not recommending nuts to you. Please, please note that. But nuts are wonderfully healthy if you can safely consume them. And even for kids, I know that a lot of um, you know childcare centers and schools, because of the allergies, say you know don't uh, bring nuts to school or don't bring nuts to childcare. That's fine. But really, do try and give as long as your kids can tolerate them. Your kids and your toddlers nuts, um, and even your teenagers because they are so wonderfully healthy. Many studies on. Um, nuts. And now we're talking about the portion size in terms of how much you should eat. Many studies actually investigate about the one ounce serving size or in increments of one ounce of servings of nuts. So an ounce is equivalent to about 28 grams of nuts. Um, And in a recent review by 
um, I think it was Attune um, and his colleagues in 2016, they concluded that the minimal recommendation around nuts per day that is associated with the most uh, reduction, risk reduction in terms of disease risk is 20 grams of nuts. That's the minimum recommendation they recommend for disease risk reduction. Now, given that the Australian Dietary Guidelines define a serving of nuts as 30 grams and most of the research on health benefits is around that ounce or that 28 grams, it makes sense to, or it's pretty appropriate to aim for 30 grams serving of nuts every day or at least every other day it's just a really simple great snack choice if you're someone that travels you can just you know put some nuts into a snack lock bag or with some um reusable sustainable beeswax food wraps if you're looking for some beeswax food wraps my company lean green living sells some really cute um fruity friend uh, beeswax food wraps. They're really cute. You have to jump onto Lean Green Living and check them out. Um, and you can store your nuts in them. That way we're not using too much plastic and snaplock bags and that sort of thing. Anyway, but nuts are a really portable um, snack to take with you. I always seem to have some nuts in my bag um, because I'm someone who likes snacking and I get hungry regularly. So I'll always take nuts out with me if I'm, um, you know, popping out for meetings or going to the shops for maybe an extended period of time or that sort of thing. So I'm definitely a believer in nuts are wonderfully healthy and the recommended amounts um in Australia, and also I do believe around the rest of the world, the recommendations are pretty similar, is around a 30 gram serving a day. No nut is better than another nut. Same with seeds. Different nuts and different seeds contain different types of vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, polyphenols, that sort of thing. So variety is always key. We aim for diversity for gut health. So don't just eat 30 grams of almonds every single day. I like to buy all the nuts or a bag of mixed nuts, throw them into a big jar and sort of mix them up and then throw through some things like pumpkin seeds and um, some sunflower seeds through them as well. So I'm getting a nice mix of different types of healthy nuts um, and healthy fats from um, different seeds as well. So I think variety and diversity is something that's really important to remember here, guys, as well. Question four, and I really like this question. Um, can you overdo veggies? Now, if you haven't uh, heard part one of this Q&A series, please go back and listen to part one because I was talking about, um, someone was asking about multivitamins and supplements and I was mentioning how more is not better. Absolutely, when it comes to health and nutrition, moderation is key for everything. More exercise is not better. More um, vitamins is not better. More veggies for most people is probably better because most people don't eat enough veggies and it's very rare to see someone eating too many but I do believe that moderation is key because just because something's good for us doesn't mean we we just eat as much as humanly possible right um and if you're having too much of something even if it's something healthy you're replacing other healthy or you're displacing other healthy things in your diet as well so I think it's important to also note that veggies are either starchy or non-starchy so our starchy veggies are very much things like potato, sweet potato, corn, things like taro, um, anything that's sort of starchy, which behaves more like a carbohydrate. So I sort of count that as a carbohydrate serve. All of our other veggies are more those non-starchy veggies. They're really things that I think in terms of veggies and salads. Um, the starchy ones I classify more as carbohydrates. So if you're having, you know, potato, sweet potato, corn and peas in a meal, they're predominantly starchy veggies. You're predominantly having, you know, four types of carbohydrates, not really four types of veggies. So just be aware if, um, you might be overdoing veggies if the majority of your veggies are starchy types of veggies. Does that mean that you can't have potato and sweet potato and corn? Absolutely not. But I don't tend to add, you know, rice, potato and sweet potato and corn to the one meal because that's just too much starch for, for most people anyway. So just be aware that between the starchy and the non-starchy veggies. But I really do believe that 
you know, extremes of anything aren't healthy. You know, we see problems, you know, disordered eating, eating disorders, um, when we take things to extremes and that's too little or too much of different things. Um, you know, like someone might say, oh, vitamin A is really important for eyesight. But if you then go and eat a huge amount of vitamin A or supplement vitamin A, it can be toxic at high levels. It can be very, very dangerous. So more is not always better. In terms of vegetables and salads, um, at a minimum for good health, we want to aim for five servings a day. So a cup of salad or half a cup of cooked veggies is a serving size. Now, five is something that 90 to 95% of Australians and um, even Americans do not even achieve. So I think overdoing veggies is definitely not a problem for the large majority of the population. But if you are someone that eats a ton of them, you may even just get some like digestive upsets because you're putting in a whole lot of fiber. Um, depending on the veggies that you're eating, if it's a lot of like beans and legumes and um, those really um, cruciferous types of veggies like kales and Brussels sprouts, you might get you know, problems such as a bit of extra bloating and gas and, you know, poor digestion and that sort of thing. So I'm a big believer in that moderation is key. And also if you're just eating, you know, like 10, 12 cups of veggies a day, you're going to be so full that you're not really going to have much room for other wonderful ingredients like proteins and healthy fats and even a little bit of soul food in our diet as well. So moderation is key, even when it comes to our veggies, aim for between five to sort of seven servings a day. And I think you'll be in a, in a good place. Too much of anything will just make, make you displace other essential nutrients or take away from other important things that you should be eating in your, in your lifestyle as well. Question. uh, What are we up to? Question five. (laughs) The question is what happens when we eat too much carbs? We're so obsessed with carbs, aren't we, guys? Like, so many people fear carbs. So carbs aren't something to be feared. But obviously, if we're going to eat too much of anything, it's not going to be great. So it's not just carbs. You eat too much protein, not great. You eat too much fat, not great. Anything that you're going to eat in excess of what your body needs, whether it's carbs, proteins, fats, healthy foods, or junk foods, your body's going to store it. It's either going to store it as fat or it's going to be used as energy. If you're in that calorie deficit, your body can use excess of anything as energy. If uh, you're tapping over what your body requires, it's going to be stored as fat. So too many carbs, stored as fat, too much protein, stored as fat, too much healthy fat, stored as fat. Um, Too much of anything isn't great. It's not just carbohydrates. So a lot of people, if you're under a calorie deficit, like if you're in a calorie deficit, but you eat more carbs than you typically might on a day, a lot of people physically will feel more just like puffy and bloated. Now, the reason for this is because for every gram of carbohydrate you eat, your body stores an additional three grams of water. Now, we store glycogen from carbs in things like our muscles and our liver. That's just science. It's just the way it is. It's not bad, but it's the reason that people who go on a low-carb diet drop like two, three, four, five, six kilos in the first week. All they're doing is peeing out that extra water that was stored in things like their muscle and their liver. It's not true fat loss. So when you go on a keto diet or a low carb diet and you drop weight super quickly in the first week, mate, you're peeing out water weight. That's all it is. You're not actually dropping true fat, get fat loss. So Eating more carbs is not necessarily a bad thing. You might feel just a bit more bloated and puffy because your body's retaining a bit more water. But if you eat more carbs than you're typically used to, but you're still in a calorie deficit, nothing's going to happen. You'll still be in a calorie deficit. You might just physically experience um, some things. Like you might just feel a bit more bloated, a bit more puffy because your body's storing a little bit more water. But if you're eating too many carbs and you're over the calories that your body requires in the day, you will store likely as fat, which happens to any other macronutrient, not just carbs. So I hope that sort of helped clear up a little bit of, um, 
you know, misconception around things like carbs. And the other thing is, can we eat carbs late at night? Absolutely. That was another question, like um, something similar to that. So yes, you can absolutely eat carbs at nighttime. You can eat anything, carbs, fats, proteins. Um, it really depends on what your goals are. For health, absolutely okay to eat carbs later at night. Um, for fat loss, you can eat carbs at nighttime, but it's really about if you're in a calorie deficit overall for the day. So if you have a low carb meal and all you're eating is protein and fats, if you're eating too much proteins and fats, you're going to store fat as well if you're not in that calorie deficit. So um, I think we overemphasize sort of carbs. We sort of fear them a lot more than we do proteins and fats. But it's really, you know, some people do better with more carbs. Some people do better with less, uh, do better with less carbs. And I'm going to dive into that question a little bit more as our final question for this Q&A podcast around like what type of diet is better for what individual. So wrap this one up here. Eating too many carbs is not a bad thing. Physically, you might feel a bit more bloated and puffy. Um, if you're eating more carbs, but you're in a calorie deficit, you're a-okay. You can still lose weight. If you're eating more carbs above what your body needs, you will likely uh, gain weight or um, gain fat. Put it that way. Question six, did you actually enjoy your uni degree? <laughs> Yes, I did. So I first studied, my first degree was a Bachelor of Health Science majoring in nutrition. That was a three-year degree. I did that at QUT uh, here in Brisbane. And then I went and I worked as a public health nutritionist for two years out in the country, out in Charleville. And then while I was out there via correspondence, I started a master's of public health. Now I studied that for a year. Um, I personally didn't really enjoy that degree as much. It was a whole lot of bio... Uh, what was it? It was epidemiology, uh, biochemistry, just really not my jam, guys. So I didn't enjoy that. It wasn't really hands-on or practical. I swapped out of that master's degree into a master's of dietetics. That was a year and a half through the University of Queensland here in Brisbane. Um, and I absolutely loved that. That was such a fabulous degree. That was food science. That was medical nutrition therapy. Um, really, really, really enjoyed that degree. I've actually talked a lot about um, my pathways into nutrition on a podcast that I did with Rachel Hawkins. Now, we did one on my podcast where Rachel gave heaps of tips for nutrition students and people wanting to get into the field of nutrition. And then I jumped on Rachel's podcast. Um, and we also did a podcast about my journey around nutrition. So scroll back through my podcast episodes and you'll hear me talk a lot more about my uh, university degrees, my experience experiences and different things that we recommend for people looking to get into the field of nutrition as well. But absolutely, hands down, enjoyed both my degrees, not so much the, the Masters of Public Health, which is, of course, why I swapped out of that. And I don't think I will go back to that despite already completing a year of that. Um, it wouldn't take too much to, to sort of finish that. But I think I've really taken my career in a different direction that I don't so much need that knowledge from that Masters of Public Health anymore. But I absolutely did enjoy my Bachelor of Health Science degree. And I actually did that because I wasn't sure if I wanted to do medicine, physiotherapy um, or dietetics. That, that degree allowed me to to go into a different area from year two or three. Um, sort of the first year, we all did the same things. And then from about year two, you sort of picked, you know, what you wanted to specialize in. And I, of course, went into nutrition and dietetics, but I also could have gone into uh, medicine. I could have been a paramedic. I could have gone and done um, public health and epidemiology, or I could have also gone and done um, physiotherapy as well. So I ended up in nutrition. Absolutely love what I do. And check out the podcast that I did with Rachel Hawkins uh, to learn a little bit more about that. Alrighty guys, second last question. I wake up starving at 3am. Am I not eating enough protein at dinner? Should I get up and should I eat? And if so, what? Okay, if you're waking up starving, you're not eating enough 
period, in general, not just protein. So, and it may not just be at dinner. It might just be that you're not eating enough throughout the day in general. So, you know, if this happened randomly as a one-off, um, I'm sure you're probably okay. But if you're regularly waking up, like starving in the middle of the night, you're absolutely not eating enough throughout the course of the day. So I would definitely recommend um, adding a little bit extra to all your meals. Now, eating more at dinner is definitely not a problem at all, but you don't want to sit down to an enormous meal at dinner because that can actually impact the quality of our sleep as well. So I'm more of a fan of having like a small to moderate portion at dinner and having a larger breakfast and a larger lunch because it just allows us to digest and absorb our food a bit better. So we're not going to bed on this like huge stomach, which can impact sleep. Um, Again, for fat loss, it doesn't make too much of a difference as long as you're in a calorie deficit for the entire day. But I like to recommend to my clients to not have huge meals at nighttime because it can impact on, on our sleep quality. So I would think that this, if this is happening regularly to you, you need to be eating enough, uh, in general, overall throughout the course of the day. Of course, protein is important at every meal, um, more so for fat loss and when you're trying to be in a calorie deficit because protein helps to support us metabolically, helps us to maintain our muscle mass, um, and it helps with that uh, satiety and uh, feeling satiated after our meals and satisfied. Um, if you're more just aiming for just general health, um, you don't have to be so overly, I guess, cautious about how much protein you have in every meal. Um, of course, it's still a good idea. Of course, we recommend that you still have protein, um, but it doesn't have to be you know a certain amount at every single meal, which is really important for that fat loss. So I think really assess what you're eating throughout the course of the day and making sure that you're having a balanced dinner. So most of our meals, when we think about a healthy, balanced nutrition, we want a small serving of protein, small serving of carbohydrates, small serving of healthy fats and some veggies and salad on those meals as well. So really making sure you're having all of those macronutrients on your plate, plus of course your veggies and salads for things like fiber, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, that sort of thing as well um, is really important. So sort of take a look at what you're doing across the whole day and maybe not just what you're eating at dinner time. Question eight, high fat versus high carb diet, which is better for fat loss? All right, I'm going to start by mentioning my friend, Alan Aragon. Um, firstly, he's a legend, especially in the field of nutrition science. If you don't go and follow him on Instagram, he will probably just blow you out of the water with his knowledge around nutrition science. Um, now, he wrote a paper with his colleagues, uh, the International Society of Sports Nutrition Position Stance on Diets and Body Composition. So this is really talking about and breaking down diets and also sports-specific body composition goals. So in this paper... Um, which is, is widely respected in the field of sports nutrition from Alan and his colleagues, um, they found a wide range of dietary approaches, anywhere from low fat to low carb to ketogenic and all the points in between can be similarly effective for improving body composition. And this allows for flexibility with program design. So there is no diet that is better for fat loss. For fat loss, you need to be in a calorie deficit. The diet that is better for you or the lifestyle that is better for you is the one that you can maintain and stick to. So what this paper also found was that diets that focus primarily on fat mass load operate under the fundamental mechanism of a sustained calorie deficit. So we know this. So to lose body fat, you must be in a calorie deficit. Now, this net hypercaloric balance can either be imposed linearly or daily or non-linearly. So over the course of the week. So you need to be in a calorie deficit to lose weight. You can either do this every single day or you can make sure that you're doing this over the course of the week. If this is confusing, the concept of a calorie deficit is confusing for you. Please check out my first YouTube video. Yeah, I'm on YouTube, guys. Woohoo! Um, on fat loss, if you'd like to learn more, just type in Leanne Ward Nutrition into YouTube and you'll see my video on fat loss pop up there. 
Now, when we think about uh, diets and body composition, the higher the baseline fat mass level, the more aggressively the calorie deficit can be imposed. So this paper is essentially saying the larger you are, the more aggressively you can put yourself into a calorie deficit. As people get leaner, slower rates of weight loss better preserve lean muscle mass. So the leaner you are, the slower you want the weight loss to be and the smaller you want the calorie deficit to be in order to preserve your lean muscle mass. So Helms and his colleagues suggested um, a weekly rate of about 0.5 to 1% of body weight loss for lean individuals such as bodybuilders in their contest preparation. So at the moment, um, using myself as an example, so I'm not actively uh, aiming for fat loss or anything like that. I would say I'm on the, the leaner side as well. As an example, at the moment, I am about 67 kilos. If I was to put myself into a calorie deficit, I would only really be looking to lose no more than about 300 grams a week, which is only just over a kilo in a month. So I think it's really important to put into perspective that uh, the different amounts of weight loss can be very different depending on your starting point and how much larger your body may be or how much leaner your body may be. Getting back to diets and the keto low carb diet or the high carb diet, such as like a vegan plant based diet. Um, and, you know, we've already established that one is not better. It really depends on the individual. So uh, a ketogenic diet has been shown to have appetite suppressing potential um, as long as you're in a calorie deficit. So what a lot of the research is showing with a ketogenic or a lower carb diet is that uh, without purposefully putting themselves in a calorie restriction, people tend to eat slightly less because their, their appetite isn't as high. So lower carbohydrate diets tend to control appetites a little bit better. So if somebody was, and I'm not a fan of keto diet, by any means, but I'm just looking at the research from a scientific point of view. So people on a ketogenic diet who would do better are people who constantly are hungry, like physically hungry. We're not talking about emotional eating or cravings here. We're talking about true physical hunger. You might do better lowering the amount of carbohydrate that you have in your diet. This doesn't mean that you have to go keto, like totally low carb. You might just lower the amount of carbohydrate you're already doing or already eating, put it that way. Now, and a, but a ketogenic diet might not be great for somebody who's thinking about athletic performance, especially because carbohydrates can be super important when we're thinking about things like high intensity sports. So you might want to go more for a higher carb diet if you're doing an activity that is uh, more intense or, um, you know, requires a lot of uh, quick, fast movements, put it that way. Now, the last part of the paper that I wanted to talk to you guys about was that they found that there are potentially very unique means by which certain diets achieve their intended objectives. So, for example, there may be factors that facilitate greater satiety with diets, so low, lower carb keto diets. They may be factors that make uh, compliance a lot easier, such as high carb diets. They may be diets that more support training demands, potentially high carbohydrate diets, or if you're someone who does a lot of uh, lower intensity endurance sports perhaps a ketogenic diet. So essentially there's no diet that is better for fat loss. It comes down to the unique individual and their ability to sustain a calorie deficit. So whenever you see people fighting online, like you must do keto, you must do vegan, whatever it is, they honestly do not understand the research and science and literature around fat loss and nutrition. No one diet is better than another. You need to figure out what works best for you and what style of eating you're able to maintain and sustain that calorie deficit through in order to elicit fat loss. Um, 
And now, of course, we are purely talking about fat loss in this question. If I was thinking about overall uh, like true health, the gold standard diet or style of eating is, of course, the Mediterranean diet. But this question was purely focused on fat loss. So we really just talked about, um, yeah, obviously fat loss for this question. That brings me to the end of part two Q&A with myself. I hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast. If you did, please feel free to leave me a comment or a review um, or even just take two seconds and click the five star button in Apple um, in Apple Podcasts because all the ratings and reviews do really mean the world to me. I read every single one. I promise you guys, if you have topic suggestions for this podcast, please leave me a review in Apple Podcasts um, because I will be sure to read them and will hopefully take those suggestions on board as well. But every uh rating or review that we get helps to boost us in um, in terms of the charts and uh, the more people that subscribe to my podcast the higher up in the in the charts that the podcast also ranks if you can subscribe and share the podcast with your friends i would be forever grateful thank you so much guys and i will catch you in the next podcast and don't forget to check out my brand new youtube channel which is of course leanne ward nutrition